Well, today is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? You guys are pretty loud this morning. Is it because you got baptized walking in this morning? I think I found it. We just need to pray for rain every single Sunday. Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Peace Church. If we have not had a chance to meet yet, let's please make that happen. I'm going to hang out here in front of the stage afterwards. If we haven't chatted yet, let's chat today. I also want to say hello to those who are joining us in our chapel, those who are joining us in our downstairs venue, and of course those who are joining us online. To everyone, I say good morning. So here's what I want you to think about. At the end of your days, when you look back on your life, my hope is that when you survey your life, you can point to two great joys. The time that you spent with family and the time you spent with your church. That's like a weighty way to start, but that's the gravity of what we are working towards here at Peace. I want you to be thankful for your time with Peace Church. I want to be thankful that this was your church, not just because we preach the truth here, not just because you were challenged to grow in your faith. I want you to be joyful and thankful for your time at Peace because it felt like family. And I want that to be a good thing because your family is strong. And at Peace Church, we are family focused, and that's a very weighty term for us. It kind of has a one-two punch that we want to we want to strengthen the family of the home and we want to strengthen the family of God. We want those to find strength with each other. And in this sermon series, as Pastor Travis said, we've been kind of talking about the mission and vision and the DNA, the heartbeat of Peace Church. And being family focused has always been, in our nearly 60-year history, has been an important part of who we are. So if you're just joining us for the first day, let, let me just catch you up to speed. That during this sermon series that we started the fall with, we've kind of taken some time to kind of like recalibrate our heart and our, and our DNA and just kind of get some common language about our mission and vision. And so here's what I'd want you to know about Peace Church. We are gospel-centered, we are family-focused, and we are kingdom-minded. We are gospel-centered, as in all roads lead to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether that's foreign missions, whether that's our kids programming, whether that's men's breakfast that we have coming up. We are about the gospel of Jesus. It's what he preached, it's what he said to preach, it's what we preach. We are family-focused. We're going to talk about that today. And for us, please hear me, that's a one-two punch. That is the family of the home and the family of God. We're going to talk about that today. The last two weeks, we talked about being kingdom-minded. If I could summarize it like this, is that we know that Peace Church, that we are one church of God's global church. And we're thankful for that. And so we're not about promoting and getting the name of Peace Church out there for all the world to see. We want to see the name of Jesus go out there. And so we have a kingdom mindset to see his kingdom expand on this planet. And so this is where we believe God's leading us in our vision, like our our picture of our desired future. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you've been with us for this entire sermon series, my prayer is that you have this memorized by now. For Peace Church, like our picture of our desired future, all this DNA, this mission, like this is what we want to see happen. We want to see the gospel embraced and passed on for generations of kingdom impact. Like this, this vision of what we want to see happen is, is springs from our unique wiring as a church. And this is how it kind of interplays, that we want to see the gospel embraced by all people everywhere. This is why we are gospel-centered. And we want to see this gospel 
not just embraced by individual people, but by whole families. We want to see it passed on for generations and generations. This comes from our family focus. To see the gospel embraced and passed on, not just so people can have a happy home, but so that the kingdom can be impacted for God's glory. So we're kingdom-minded. At Peace Church, we are called to share the gospel. We're called to strengthen the family, and we're called to support the kingdom. That's kind of who we are. So if you wouldn't mind, this is the last time I'm going to have us come together and talk about this for a while. Just We're going to take it and go from here. But would you say this with me? This is our vision. Let's say this all together. To see the gospel embraced and passed on for generations of kingdom impact. If you're looking for a church home and you want to know what we're about, there it is. That's kind, of, that's kind of what we're doing here. And so in this sermon series, uh, we've been walking alongside the Apostle Paul on his second recorded missionary journey. In the book of Acts, we see at least three prominent missionary journeys. We've been walking alongside the second one. And just to recap why, our church is nearly 60 years old, which means this is not our first rodeo. And prayerfully, it's not our last, unless Jesus Christ comes back. And so this is not our first missionary journey. This is not our last missionary. This is kind of our second one. That's why we've been following Paul on his second missionary journey. So as we look at being family-focused today, wrapping up this sermon series, would you please turn to Acts chapter 18. We're going to look at two sections today, verses 5 to 8 and then section 19 to 23. As you are turning there, I'm going to show you a map of where we are at in this journey. Again, if you have been with us for this entire time, Part of me really wanted to put a blank map up here, call one of you up here to recap for everyone else where have you been on this journey. Who thinks they could do it? You're scared to raise your hand now, aren't you? Thank you, sweetheart. The bravest one in here. Men, where are you at? I won't make you do that because I'm a nice guy. So here's the, here's the journey they've been looking at. They've been walking along. So Paul and company, they lead off from Jerusalem. They head up through Syria. They swing around Antioch. They go into what is modern-day Turkey. Back then, they called it Asia. Got a couple different sections here with Bithynia, Galatia, and Phrygia, a bunch of cities. Paul and company, they kind of come through Asia. If you remember from week one, they kind of, they're like losing their way. They're not sure where God wants them to go. They wind up in Troas, where, where Paul gets a vision from a man of Macedonia. Says, come over here and help us. They're like, we got to go preach the gospel in Macedonia. This is modern-day Greece. And so they hop over the Aegean Sea, and something very profound happens. The gospel leaves the Middle East and heads west. It heads into Europe. And because of that fact, we are bearing the fruit of that awesome vision. So they head into Macedonia, again, modern-day Greece. They're planting churches all over the place. They wind up in Athens. They leave Athens, Athens where Paul preaches that very epic Mars Hill sermon. They leave Athens, and they head to Corinth, where they're going to begin to wrap things up. And that's where we're going to find ourselves today. So Acts chapter 18, verses 5 to 8, and then we'll uh, jump down to verses 19 to 23. Would you hear the word of the Lord this morning? When Paul and uh, when Sim, sorry, let's start over there. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the uh, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, "Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles." Verse seven. 
And when he left there, he went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Jump down to verse 19. They leave Corinth and they go to Ephesus. And when they came to Ephesus, he left them there. But he, Paul himself, went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave, he said to them, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Just a quick note, Paul does actually return to Ephesus later on in Acts. Verse 22. And when he landed in Caesarea, and when he landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. I know it's up on the map, but you get the idea. They went down to Antioch, and after spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. This is the word of God, everyone. Let's pray, and let's get to it. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we come before you, Lord, and as we close up this sermon series, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus that you have heard and we know that you do hear our prayers and our prayers that we only want to go where you lead. Father, if I have said anything in this sermon series that is not of your plan, then Lord, never let it be so. Lord, we only want to go where you are leading us to go. And so we do pray these things in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. So uh, last message in this sermon series, as with all of them, three parts to this message. If you like outlines, here's our outline for today. We're going to talk about the call of God. We're going to talk about our call specifically as Peace Church. We're just going to have a little family time here as we talk about what God's calling us to do. And then we're going to turn our attention inward as we talk about my call, your call to answer. So let's start here with the call of God. As we look at these passages, there's a couple things, two things that I want us to pick up on here today as we get going. We are called to build the family of the home, and we are called to strengthen the family of God. We're called to build the family of the home, and we're called to strengthen the family of God. Let's take a few moments here and talk about this. We're called to build the family of the home. Okay, so who's up for a little Bible trivia this morning? Even less than hands. Come on. <laughs> Class, get out. Blank sheet of paper and your pencils. We're going to have a little Bible trivia here today. Here we go. The first great act of salvation in the Bible. Do you know what it is? You have 30 seconds. It is when Adam and Eve first sinned and their nakedness was exposed. God sacrificed an animal to literally cover their sin. He did this for both of them. The first family, the original household. That's the first great act of salvation. Do you know what the second one is, class? Take 30 seconds. Write your answer. The second great act of salvation we see in the Bible is Noah's Ark. God looked at the increasing wickedness of the world, and through it, he saw the shining light of the righteousness of one man, Noah. And look what God says, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. 
Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. God looked at Noah's righteousness, and because of it, his whole family was allowed to go into the ark. The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Of the Ten Commandments, you can break the Ten Commandments up into two primary categories. Love the Lord and love others. The first four are about loving God. The last six are about loving others. But do you, do you know the fifth commandment, how that second section starts out? What's the fifth commandment? It's honor your father and your mother. Literally, for the Lord, that our call to love others begins in the home. That we love people in the house, as an, and then we go from there to love others. Pastor Travis preached on one of the most central verses for us uh, that we see in the Old Testament just a few weeks ago. What's known as the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses says this, Now this is the commandment that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may fear the Lord your God. Listen here. You... And your son, and your son's son. That generational discipleship right there. You, and your son, and your son's son. Verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command today, to you today, they shall be on your hearts. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. How do we teach them? Let's, let's say it like we mean it, brothers and sisters. How do we teach them? Diligently. We teach them diligently. Do I need to go on with this survey? The family of the home is central to the faith that God wants to see spread on this planet. So let's go back to our passage. Let's go back to Acts chapter 18. Crispus, the name of the man who is the leader of the synagogue in Corinth, he knew this. Good Jewish leader, knew his Old Testament. He knew the centrality of the family for living out the faith. Acts chapter 18, verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. This leader of the Jewish faith knew that this faith was not meant just for himself, but for his family as well. That line right there, I'm going to tell you right now, that is the line that every Christian man should be working towards. He believed in the Lord together with his entire household. Of all the things I do in my life, of all my failures and all my accomplishments, at the end of my days, when they lay me in that ground, they put a stone rock over my head. If it says he believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and that's all it said, that's a life well lived. That, that right there, for everyone in here, that is the objective. That's what we're moving for. That's what we're working towards. We believe in the Lord together with our entire household. Let me tell you right now, that is worth every single sacrifice. There is nothing more important than your children's faith. Not sports, not education, not advancement, not music, not opportunities. All those things will come and go. All those things they will have in this life, but they will not bring them to the next. It is our faith that lasts forever. That is worth every single sacrifice you need to make to see your, the faith of your children develop and nothing get in the way of that. If there's an idol, it needs to be crushed. 
And if that is an idol, is a thing on your calendar, then it's time to cancel that commitment if it's in the way of a child's faith development. There is nothing more important than the development of a child's faith in the home. We cannot escape this theme in Scripture that family is meant to have faith as the foundation. That faith flourishes in a family. It should not be just a rabbi or a pastor knowing this. Knowing that faith is meant to spread to the entire household. Our homes should be identified, marked out as gospel homes. In the next service, we're going to baptize a child because we come from the Reformed faith that sees baptism as a sign of the covenant. We place that on every member of the household because our house is distinguished out, it's set out, it's marked out as a gospel household. Our faith is a promise to God and that promise extends to our kids as well. And so men, hear me, please. You are the pastor of your homes. Are you leading your family into a faith that is flourishing or are they excelling at everything else? We are called to reach the hearts of people and not just the hearts of people, but through that, the heart of the home. To see the faith flourish through every member. But the beautiful thing about this is I don't think the family is meant to do this alone. The church is meant to come alongside as an extension of the family to help see this happen. We're meant to do this with the church's help. So this is why we're going to focus on the second part here. We are called to strengthen the family of God. We are called to strengthen the family of God. When I was a teenager, one of my first jobs that I got, one of my first like, like um, jobs where you know taxes were taken out of your paycheck sort of jobs, I, I worked for this company, and if you want to know what it is, you can ask me afterwards, but I worked for this company, and I, part of our onboard training was, they said this, they said, do not call your coworkers coworkers. You are to call them associates. Now, as a teenager, I didn't really understand the big deal behind that, but looking back, I could see why that was so important to them. Because language is critical. It's critical for how we relate to one another. And how we relate to one another has an impact on the direction of a company. And so, in the church, we don't call each other co-laborers for the gospel. We may at times, but what is the primary thing we are to call each other? Brothers and sisters, thank you. See, Bible trivia is not so hard these days. Brothers and and sisters, why do we call each other brothers and sisters? Well, because, number one, because God has revealed himself as our father and we are his children. That makes us siblings. Because Jesus Christ himself called us his brothers and sisters. Paul, when he wrote to the church, he called them brothers and sisters. It is so clear in Scripture that the, Bi that the Bible tells us that the church, we are not meant to be an institution we are meant to be a family. That's our identity. That's what it means to be part of a church, that you're part of a family. It is a far too common phrase these days for people to say, I'm no longer a Christian because I don't believe in organized religion. How sad. How sad that you were ever led to believe that Christianity is defined as an organized religion. 
That just breaks my heart. Organized religion. We're a family. We're a family that gathers. We're a family that scatters. We're a family that meets in home. We're a family that meets at 6950 Cherry Valley. We're a family. We're not an institution. How sad. How brokenhearted it must make. It makes me brokenhearted to think that. We're meant to be a family. So I'm going to ask you, what do families do? What are families supposed to do? In fact, I'm going to invite you to take just 60 seconds, turn to the person next to you, tell them, what does a family do? Go ahead, take a moment and share that. Okay, I'll tell you one thing that I think families should do. Actually, three things. I say that we love each other, we care for each other, and we strengthen each other. Let's go back to our verse, verse 22. I think we see this begin to play out. Acts 18, verse 22 and 23. Now, when Paul had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then he went down to Antioch. And after spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. All right, so back to our, look at, look at these two verses here. In verse 22, we see the conclusion of Paul's second missionary journey. This is how he ends it. And we see in verse 23, the start of his third missionary journey. And in this, we see a profound theme as Paul begins his third missionary journey, he's, he's not planting churches. He's strengthening them. He's going back and being a support to them because we are family. And he goes on to visit places like Ephesus and Macedonia. In fact, I think, oh, yeah, we got it here. So Paul comes and he lands in Caesarea, strengthens the church there. He goes, it says down in their text, but in our map, it looks like he's going up. Goes up to Antioch. And then it says he spent some time there. Now, Luke, who wrote Acts, that was his way of saying um, the, the missionary journey was done. To say that he spent some time there, when Luke writes that, that's, a, that's an extended period of time. So Paul takes a break after his second missionary journey, and he has basically a sabbatical. And then we see the start of his third missionary journey, that from Antioch, he goes back into Asia, Phrygia and Galatia, where he goes and visits the churches that he started, and he strengthens them. And at Peace Church, we also want to see the church get stronger. And I think one of the ways that we see this happen is when we grow together. When we grow together. Because it takes all of us, if you checked out, please check in for this one. It's going to take all of us helping all of us. This is not a show. This is not a time for you to be entertained. This is the family gathering to worship the Lord, to be strengthened that we may go out and do the Lord's will from here. We want to see all of us helping all of us. And to sow, for us to say that we are brothers and sisters, that is truly meant to mean something that's such a profound profound spiritual level that it is evident in your everyday lives. That when you think about your brothers and sisters, you think about the people at Peace Church. So with that look at God's call, let's take a few moments and talk about what this means for us here at P.
peace. Now, in this section, during the, these, um, during the sermon series, we've been talking about some goals that we have for Peace Church as we start what we think is the dawn of a new season. So I want to address two things that are important for us to know as we move forward as a church. First one is this, is that we are going to be about building the family, further development of family ministries. Peace Church has a long history of family ministry, especially a big heart for children's ministry. Let me tell you right now, that will not just continue, but that will continue to grow and deepen. We're going to continue to invest heavily in family ministry areas. What I mean by this is we're going to increase opportunities for families to grow. We're going to continue to invest in programs for our children and our youth and our adults to see the family developed. With Pastor Travis on board now and and staff beginning and our leaders beginning to find a, a stride. We're gonna, we want to host seminars and training events for parents, especially as parents deal with, um, what would be a nice term for what's going on today? Whack events. <laughs> Talking about current events. We want to see our staff continue to, to develop so that we can continue to be leaders for family ministries uh, in all of West Michigan. And I'm also thankful that our new pastor, I don't think he's in, in this room, but Pastor Daryl, our new pastor, he himself is a grandpa. So we, I don't know when the last time we had a pastor who was a grandpa, but we have a pastor on staff who's now a grandpa who's going to help us think about what it means for grandparenting ministry because grandparents should be ministering to their church and to their children, their children and their grandchildren. So this first point should be hopefully no surprise for Peace Church, that we love family ministry and we want to see it continue and see it to develop. But this next one um, I'm going to talk about because I've been approached so much about this in the last number of months, talking about not just building the family, but building the church. And there it was, right there in what I said, in building the church. I've had countless people ask me about future campaigns to build the church. So when we were Take a few moments. Let's talk about building the church and future campaigns for the church of Jesus Christ. We've been growing so much. And you know what else has been growing? Our community. And that's not going to stop. I mean, every time I blink, a new suburb has popped up somewhere. We are growing, and so is our community. And I have a lot of people asking, how much longer can this facility be accommodating to all of our ministry needs? truth is we are feeling the pinch in nearly every single area. I even look now at second service, our, our largest service, and I don't see a lot of room for growth here. We're feeling the pinch. And as you know, in this past year, we have responded. We've renovated this worship center, added 200 seats. We've renovated our chapel. We renovated the gym. Some of you know that we took two classrooms downstairs, knocked down a wall, made one big classroom so we had enough space for our kids. We are responding. We are doing what we can. But at some point, we're going to run out of square footage. At some point, every seat gets filled. And then what? I'm going to share my, my heart sentiment. And my prayer is that you share this heart as well. I never want someone to walk into this church, whether this church building or this church family. I never want anyone to walk in and feel like there's not a space for them. That breaks my heart. I know we're supposed to be a real tolerant culture, but I just can't tolerate that. 
I don't know exactly what that means. But I know that if God wants to continue to grow this church, that we're going to be faithful and try to respond. So I want you to listen to me if you have just checked out. At Peace Church, we are about living into our vision. We are about responding to our current needs. But hear me clearly on this. I am also deeply thinking about the next generation the next generation of Peace Church leaders, the next generation of the Peace, Peace Church congregation. I'm not talking about in 20 years. I'm talking about when, when our bones have turned to dust and we have a lot of time in heaven worshiping Jesus. What about Peace Church then? I'm thinking about this now because I, right now as, as, this, I, as the next lead pastor at Peace Church and every lead pastor is an interim, I know that I'm an interim lead pastor. I'm only here for however long God wants. And I look at our church, and I, and I look at our nearly 60-year history, and I tell you right now, I am so thankful for the generation that went before us, for their investment, for their sacrifice, for the way that they gave to see this happen. There's so much I'm so thankful for. But I'll be honest with you. Like, there's sometimes I wish I could hop in a little time machine, jet back 40 years, Say to them, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. If you could just do this little thing, that would really help us out in the next 50 years. Obviously, you can't do that, and no one can see into the future like that to, to understand this. Right? I wish someone, someone in 50, 70 years would jump in a time machine and come back and say to me, Pastor, this is what it's like then. Here's the best way you can help us out. I wish I could, I wish I could have that. I'm praying for revelation or something to be seen so I can know, like, and I pray that you would pray that too. Because I don't want to just respond to current needs. I want to set up the future for success. I want the future generations to be thankful for what we did here at Peace Church during our time. That we responded, that we sacrificed like the previous generation did. Okay, okay, I see your look. You're, yeah, I'm preaching now. Okay, I'll get off the soapbox. Let me just say this. At Peace Church, we are gospel-centered we are family-focused and we are kingdom-minded. And for all those reasons, we will in the near future consider whether or not a campaign to expand this facility is what is actually best for not just us right now, for not just our growing community around us, but is it what's best for the next generation? Will they, would they want a builder, a bigger building? Or will they, like, in 50, 70 years come and say, it doesn't work like that anymore. Don't, don't saddle us with a ginormous building. Or maybe they do. That's what we're praying about. And I'm telling you right now, if this is your church home, then this is your prayer too. And all of us, it takes all of us helping all of us as we pray and consider what is the next step for us as we respond to what we believe God is doing. And so, you've heard the call of God. You've heard our heart at peace. Now I want you to consider about how you are going to respond now. For all, everything I talked about, I just want to boil it down to this one statement for you right now. My call, your call to answer. Do I treat my family like a church and my church like a family? Do I treat my family like a church and my church like a family? Not that those things should be synonymous, but they should be similar and they should be somewhat familiar. So let me explain what I mean. For family to be like a church means this. For family like a church means the family is a place of worship. 
It's a place where faith grows. It's a place where people are discipled. It's a house of prayer. It's where Jesus is king. It's where the spirit is alive. It's where the gospel is centered. Now, for a church to feel like a family, this is what I think this means, is that you see these people, when you look around, you see them as your brothers and sisters. That our connection that we have is not political. It is not cultural. But we are unified by the bond of love that is found in God through Jesus Christ. And so for Peace Church, here now, in this immediate moment, let me say this. On this side of eternity, you will not get to know everyone at a very deep level. We're beyond that size as a church. But this doesn't mean that you can't know some people at a deep level. And you get to know people by serving. You get to know people by using your gifts. You can't do this just by showing up on Sunday for an hour and then leaving. It's going to take more than that if you want this to feel like a family. Maybe it's time to consider getting into a growth group. In the back of your seats, you should have this card. If you're not in a growth group or if you want to find ways to get better connected at Peace Church, please fill this out. Drop it in the, one of the baskets on your way out and we'll have someone reach out to you about how to make those steps to get you better connected here at Peace Church. If you are a Christian and you are not experiencing a connection at church that's nearly family status, something is off. I'm going to say something. I really need you to clue in with me right now. If you're not experiencing church at a nearly family status, at a nearly family level, something is off. And hear me clearly. The size of the church is not the problem. The early church would grow by thousands of people per day, and they still were a family. Don't say the church is too big. That's not an excuse. Serve. Get involved. Make your investment at a heart level. I think sometimes that we, we, there's confusion because we have the wrong expectations. So let me clear up a couple expectations for you right now. No, you can't know everyone at a super deep level. But listen to me, that's okay. Release that expectation that at church you're supposed to know everyone at a super deep level. Let that go. That's okay. But yes, you are supposed to know some people at a very deep level. And maybe that's the team you serve with in some ministry. Maybe that's your growth group. Maybe that's a prayer team. Maybe it's just friends that you know at peace. So again, I'm going to ask you to fill this out if you want to make a better connection. If, if, if church does not feel like family and you want it to, please fill this out and just drop it off on the back and Pastor Daryl will reach out to you soon. I truly believe that one of the most beautiful things about becoming a Christian is that we are called adopted into the family of God, that we are brought into the family of God. So if you don't feel like church is your spiritual family, brother and sister, let's, let's find a way to correct that. What Jesus Christ has done for his church is too beautiful. It's too big. It's too important. It's too spiritual. It's too eternal for you to feel like you're doing it all alone or for you to feel like you don't have a connection here. Make this church your home where when you walk into this place, it feels like you're coming home again. And you see these people and you say, these are my brothers and sisters. The gospel is meant to direct our lives. It's meant to heal. It's meant to bring joy to our families. And this happens when this church is strong and when the family is strong. We want to see both of those work together. This is what we mean when we say we are family focus. 
that we're brought into the family of God and where our Savior is like our brother. Amen. Let's stand up and let's pray to him right now. Would you please bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord in heaven, as we close up this sermon series, Lord, we continue our missionary journey, but only going, Lord, we pray, we're only going where you are guiding us. So we ask, Lord, that whatever we place before your throne, we ask that you would take it and only enact on it what is according to your will. And Father, as you call us along, would you call us to be one, one family. As you build these families, as we love and care for one another, and as this church more and more feels like a family, so that the world may look at us and see a bright light, that they may see something better. And it's in the name of Jesus, our brother, the King, we pray these things. And everyone said, amen and amen. So brothers and sisters, let's worship together.